Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be looking at the topic, the end of the matter. The end of the matter. And we're going to be looking at our, one of my, if not my favorite Bible character outside of Jesus, the Apostle Paul, known to be a very tough man. We're doing a study in, in Sunday school on the book of Mark. And when you hear about the story of Mark, one of the individuals who traveled with Paul and who left, it was Paul who told Barnabas, I don't want to take this young man with me anymore. And Paul is known to be a, a hard character. But I think when we look at the life of Paul, we realize that Paul was a man of purpose. There was an objective to his life. And he realized there was no time to play. The task had to be completed, and all of us need to be focused on getting that task accomplished. And the end of the matter is important. As you look at this writing, this, this, the book of 2 Timothy was, is, is written like a father seeing the end of his life and wanting to leave the final words of encouragement and motivation to his son. Paul is in prison. We paint the picture. Paul is in prison now, waiting for his death. This is his second imprisonment. And he senses that this is going to be the end. This is the end of the matter. This is the end of my life, and it's here. And he says, now what are the final words that I want to leave with my beloved son? This is my heart string. The Bible says he is my son in the faith. Paul probably led him to saving knowledge of Christ. This young man was in, integrally involved in Paul's ministry. And before he left the scene, he said, you know what? What are some key things that I want to leave with this young man before I go. And the book of 2 Timothy is just that. Paul leaving those final words of encouragement, those final words of challenge with this young man. We could say that it has a personal tone to it. Paul reminisces about Timothy's mother and grandmother in 2 Timothy 1. Uh, three through five, he says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. He prayed for this man. I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. Uh, in you as well. And so he reminisces. But at the same time, this is not some soppy letter. Paul also takes time to leave a charge to Timothy. He ensures that Timothy understands that you have a task to accomplish. As I am leaving this scene and you understand who I am and what I've done, you know that you have a job to complete. And he says in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Timothy, we have a serious task ahead of us, but God has not given us 
a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline, a sound mind. Knowing what is ahead of us, Timothy, you have to be prepared and know that God has given us the resource to be able to accomplish the task that is ahead of us. Now the passage we're looking at this morning in particular comes at the end of this. So he has reminisced with Timothy. He has laid a charge before him. And as he comes to the end of his letter, he wants to leave one final charge. And he says to Timothy, Timothy, let's listen in on what Paul says. Timothy, I, my son, solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Timothy, you have to preach the word. You have to be ready in season when it is right and when it is not right. You have to be ready in season and out of season. Timothy, you have to reprove. You have to show people what is wrong. You have to rebuke. You have to tell them, this is what you did. And you have to exhort. You have to be able to show them what is right. You have to do it with patience, Timothy. And instruction, Timothy, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. There is going to be a time in our future where individuals are not going to want to hear what this book has to say. They're going to not want to listen to this book. They're going to accumulate to themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They're going to have people in this pulpit who are going to preach what the people want to hear, not necessarily what comes from the word. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, you, I need you to be sober. I need you to be serious in all things. I need you to understand it's going to be difficult, but you need to endure hardship. You need to do the work of the evangelist. You have to spread the good news. You have to, Timothy, fulfill your ministry. You know what you've been called to do. Each of us, we know what we've been called to do. And we have been called and challenged like Paul does to Timothy here to fulfill, to accomplish our ministry. He says, Timothy, me, my time has come to an end. I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure, my leaving of the scene has come. I've fought a good fight. I have finished the course. Timothy, I've kept the faith. I'm looking forward in the future. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And Timothy, not just to me, but to all who have loved is a bearing. 
I could sit down just with that alone. But I want to delve a little bit deeper in the verses 6 through 8. He says, Timothy, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He said, Timothy, for because of the fact, for the reason I admonish you in verse 5, I tell you in verse 6, you need to be sober in all things. I am leaving the scene. As I step off of the scene and you come and take your place, you need to understand I'm leaving. So you need to step forward. There are those of us who are taking our place and are leaving the scene. Some have already left. There needs to be individuals who are prepared to take their rightful place. Not to sit on the sidelines. He says, Timothy, I am leaving the scene. I am already being poured out as a drink offering. I am telling you, Timothy, to be sober in all things, to endure hardship, to do the work of the evangelist, to fulfill your ministry, because I am already enduring hardship. I'm in prison. At this present time, I'm in prison. I am being sacrificed by the Lord like a drink offering being poured out in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they would pour out a drink offering as an act of worship unto the Lord. And Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy, I, my life is being poured out by God as an offering, as a sacrifice to him. That is the life that I am living. That's the condition I am in. And I am finally waiting to ultimately be poured out, my blood to be poured out as a sacrifice. I see my end as near. And recognizing my position, Timothy, I need you, as verse 5 says, I need you to step up. I need you to step up to the plate. Young people, we need you to step up to the plate. There are others who are leaving the scene. Look around at Calvary Bible Church. Look at those around. Look at the age of the individuals in our congregation. We need you to step up to the plate. The time of my departure is at hand. I need you to do the work of the evangelist because I'm going to be leaving soon. Someone has to take my place. Philippians 2, 17 says, but even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you. Paul's life was a sacrifice for the Lord. And his coming death is the culmination of the lifelong sacrifice and offering. Paul suffered. Listen to what happened to him in 2 Corinthians 11, 23-33. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. But guess what? Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I'm more so. 
if more, a far more laborers in far more imprisonments, I was beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from any my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. For God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows I am not lying. Paul says, Timothy, I have suffered. And I need you to understand and prepare yourself. You need to understand if you take on this call, and I'm calling you to take it on, you're going to endure hardship. Listen, this is not an easy task. Sometimes I think we preach an easy gospel. Persons need to understand if you will live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. But that does not mean we should not call our young people to take their stand. Sometimes I believe we're so concerned about them getting the right and doing the right and having the right. We don't realize if they are who God has called them to be, they are going to suffer. That's a part of being a Christian. And Paul tells Timothy, listen, brother, step up. I'm leaving the scene. This is Paul's present condition. As he looks at his life being lived for the Lord, he is ready to go, to leave the scene. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. Paul isn't seen as I'm going to die. Paul says, listen, I'm absent from this body. I'm going to be present with the Lord. The time of my departure, leaving this earth, is at hand. I'm ready to go. But he's encouraging his protege to take his place. Will you be ready to go? Will you be ready to go when your time comes? And now speaking to the adults, who are you preparing when you leave? Yesterday, a gentleman came by the house to remove a beehive in my front yard. Interesting lesson, process. But one of the things he said to me was, I don't want to leave this earth with all of this knowledge. How to take care of the bees, how to, 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 to feed them and know where to put them. And he's talking about all these different things you need to do with the bees and and how you got to turn the hive with all this information now. He says, I don't want to leave this scene with all of this knowledge. Some of us are going to leave this earth. I'm going to take all of our knowledge, all of our years of walking with the Lord with us. Who are you mentoring? Who are you taking under your wing? Who are you encouraging? 
Who are you passing on those years of experience, telling those stories, sharing with what God has done for you and with you? Who are you preparing to take your place? Paul says, that is my condition. He says, you know what? But I have fought the good fight. Timothy, as I leave this scene and I look back and I consider, I fought the good fight, you know. I look at my path. I finished my course. And I've kept the faith. But this is not about Paul. When you look at the text in the Greek, the statement is not, I have fought the good fight. The statement is, the good fight, I have fought. The course, I have finished. The faith, I have kept. Paul didn't put himself in the front. He says it's about the faith. It's about the course. It's about the fight. And I, I have fought it well. I have finished it well. I have kept it well. Paul looks back over his life and tells Timothy, I have done my part, and now it's your time to do yours. These are completed actions. In other words, it's what has already been done. And this is not Paul saying it's all about me. The good fight I have fought. That word fought means, Paul says, I strove, I struggled, I made an effort to obtain the results. I fought the fight. This is not a fellow who sat on the sidelines, not watching the activity going by. Paul says, I got involved in the business. I didn't just come in church, sit in the pew and keep my space. I didn't just come to the ministry and enjoy the view. I got involved and I endured the hardship like any good soldier. All of us as soldiers are supposed to be involved in the fight, are supposed to be enduring the hardship, are supposed to be fighting. And we need to encourage our young people and some of our old folks to get in the fight. I have fought the good fight, the noble fight. I'll be involved. And you can't be lazy. You have to recognize you're going to suffer hardship. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.3, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. This is a part of the process. It's work. It's hard work. We've been talking about it in our parenting class. It is hard work. It does not come easy. It must be persistent. It must be consistent. You can't take a break. You need to take some time away, right, sis? Take some time away. You need to catch yourself sometime. But when you come back, get back in the fight. Because it is hard work. He says, not only did I fight the good fight, the course, excuse me, the course I have finished. To finish, to make an end, to accomplish, to complete something, and not merely to end it, to bring it to perfection. I was looking at our parenting class again and thinking about it and saying, you know, sometimes we as parents, we just want to finish. I can't wait until they turn 18 and get out the house. I just holding on, just holding on. 
Woo! You finished yet? I gotta pay that school fee. Mother said, How old are you is now? 14? I got four more years. Counting down, counting down. Hey, John. I ain't talking to my son, John. Now. I'm talking to John. But guess what? Sometimes we just feel like we're holding on, but Paul says, no, 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 no. This is not a holding on. This is a recognizing that I have a course, and I have to carry it to its end. I have to fulfill it. I have to complete it. I have to bring it to its desired end. I have to accomplish it. The race that is laid before me, the marriage that I have, the children that I have, the job that I have, the ministry that I have in this church, the responsibility that I have. I'm not just here to mark time. I am here to successfully complete it, to fulfill it, not to sit there and watch. We have a, ta- a task. We have a responsibility ahead of us. We have a ministry. Fulfill the ministry. We're not just here marking time in this community. We're here for a purpose. Let's not get comfortable. Fulfill the ministry. Finish the course. Don't quit. I have a note that says, we have a generation that seems to like to quit. When it gets tough, I, I, I can't take this. This woman, I gotta get out of this marriage. Oh, this job, man, thing's so tough. I, we look for the easy way. Stand fast. And again, I have to make a note. This is not completion for completion's sake. Not just to say, see, I'm a ticker. I like less and tick it off. Tick, tick. Did you fulfill the purpose? Did you complete it? I've carried it through. This is not about winning the prize, but it's about the long haul. Guess what? Some of you all been in Calvary for a long time. And you all still here. Think of us who just come and we got a long haul ahead of us. And if the Lord don't come soon, it's looking rough and the haul got be long. That's what it is. You have to fight the fight and stay on the course. And why are you doing that? It says, look at Jesus. Therefore, since we are so great a cloud of witnesses, people who have gone before us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which does so easily entangle us, and let us run with endurance to the end. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty or a delay in achieving success. Let's be persistent. The race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured. He's our example. He stayed the course in the Garden of Eden. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Father, nevertheless, not my will. Thy will be done. I'm going to finish the course. It's tough, but I'm going to finish the course. And I am going to keep the faith. To keep it, to watch over it, to guard it, to protect it, to preserve it, to obey it, to retain it. And when you look at it, 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 it's seen from different perspectives. First, if you look at it as a God 
Paul was given the responsibility of the faith and he kept it. He protected, he guarded, he made sure he kept it from being polluted and adulterated. He kept the pure word of God, didn't mix it up with anything else. And then he obeyed it. This is an athlete who runs the race and obeys the rules. It says in 2 Timothy 2, 4 through 5, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Paul says, I have kept the rules. Are we keeping the rules? Are we running this race? Are we staying on course? And are we doing it right? Or have we chosen to run the race our way? One time I spoke, I said, you know, the word of God says the gate is narrow and the way is straight and few there be that find it. But there are some people that believe they can come in through the broad gate and end up on the narrow road. There's some who want to come in through the narrow gate and bring their baggage with them and come on the broad road. You come through the narrow, you stay on the straight. Keep the faith. We are on this narrow road and we're supposed to be walking circumspectly. We're supposed to be different. We're called out ones, the Bible says. We're unique. We're different from individuals. Paul kept the faith. He obeyed the rules as any good soldier, as any good athlete, wanting to win the prize. Because you know what? Paul knew there was a prize to come. Saints, we have a prize. We're not just sitting here and running this race in vain. Paul says in the text, he says, listen, I have kept the faith. And in the future, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. What day is that? The day of judgment, the day of reward, the day when he passed, whatever day. But the time is coming, I'm going to get my reward. That's what I'm looking forward to. And he says, in the future, there is laid up for me. I know what's waiting for me. That's why I can fight this fight. That's why I can stay on this course. That's why I can keep the faith. There are others who have chosen to do their own thing. They're going to do their own way. They're going to walk their own course. But I am going to stay on this course. I am going to fight the good fight. I am going to keep the faith because I know what's awaiting me. I know what's coming. A crown of righteousness. The future. Having fought the fight, kept the faith, and being poured out, I know I'm going to get a crown of righteousness. It's been reserved for me. Listen, there aren't just ten crowns, you know, and the first rat in the whole tail covered. If you, and listen to what Paul says, not just to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Are you looking forward to the Lord's return? Are you excited about his return? Are you anxiously waiting for him to come back? 
There's a crowd waiting for you. There's a crown of righteousness reserved for you. Sitting right there waiting. For when you come on that day, competing well. And if you compete well, there's a crown. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. You discipline yourself. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. And back then they would compete in these, uh, these games, the Ithmian games. And when they won, they would get a little clover wreath to wear around their heads. But that was a perishable wreath. It says we, we're looking forward to something that is imperishable. It's not going to fade away after time. This crown is not just for Paul, but for all of us. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. You know why? Because we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we look forward to, saints. That's why we do what we do. With the end in mind, considering the end of the matter, when our Lord returns, we fight. We run well. We keep the faith. And as we do so, we encourage others to come along with us. Take somebody under your arm. Show them how to run. How to run well. Because sooner or later, you will we will leave the scene. But the fight still needs to be fought. And we need soldiers who will fight the good fight. Finish their course and keep the faith. The end of the matter. Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Paul says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Oh, the good fight I have fought. The course I have finished the faith I have kept. Now, I look forward to receiving my crown of righteousness. And oh, Father, not just me, others can look forward to it as well if they are anxiously awaiting your soon return. I pray, Father, that we, the saints at Calvary Bible 
church would fight and run and keep and look forward to your soon return. I pray, Father God, we would see the difference in our lives. We would see the difference in our church. We would see the difference in our community. We will see the difference on our jobs. We will see the difference in our homes. We will see the difference of people who live their lives to the honor and glory of God. The end of the matter. In Jesus' name, amen.